with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan I can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. The biggest, the newest, the most exciting of all the Planet of the Apes pictures. Climaxed by the spectacular Revolt of the Apes. The most awesome, the most horrifying spectacle in the annals of science fiction. First pampered as pets, then abused as servants. Now oppressed as slaves. On a full mobilization of all security forces, police, militia, and reserve defense units. See that every entrance into the city is cordoned off immediately. Yes, sir. Our control methods will include the use of tear gas and sedation guns. There will be but one control method. Shoot to kill. programs and welcome to another episode of fan holes i'm justin and i'll be your host this evening joining me tonight is one of my fellow fan holes why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself the only good human is a dead human this is Derek. what's up on this episode we will be discussing for its 50th anniversary conquest of the planet of the apes and that day is upon you now you know you know why i'm like super happy justin why's that because finally, finally, there's an anniversary movie older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is 
this is way before my time. I mean, this is this is not one of those things I can sit back and go, I thought this was a theater, you guys. Did you guys say it in the theater? No, you were five years old. What? Like, I can't do that because because I, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I saw this until when it was it was I, I remember when I really got into it was when AMC was playing all the movies. And I think that was right. It was like the year before they did the Burton movie maybe or something. I, I, I don't know if it was like 1999 or, or 2001 or 2000 or something. I don't know. I, I just remember that. Like I remember seeing them on AMC and getting really into it and thinking the documentaries were like super fascinating and they were, you know, playing them like back to back to back on AMC and I would catch a little bit of of the different movies here or there and i was kind of bummed out because i mean i guess i could have you know recorded it or something like that but it was like i kind of just wanted to see it like without commercials and without any interruptions and whatever and i remember specifically going to suncoast and getting that letterboxed vhs like box set of like all five of the movies and then i think it came with that Behind the Planet of the Apes documentary, too. New on video. It's a madhouse! The Planet of the Apes collection. Five movies. Digitally mastered by THX. Man destroys man. Apes do not destroy apes. Available as a gift set or sold separately. You maniac! You blew it up! Planet of the Apes collection. Buy it today. The Apes Go Classic in September on AMC. Log on to the AMC website to find out all about our 30th anniversary Planet of the Apes marathon. We've got a special interview with Ape star Roddy McDowell, Ape trivia, and updates on the Ape events at zoos all over the country. www.amctv.com. Go Classic with the Apes. Tonight, our AMC Goes Ape Marathon continues with the sequel that brings the apes to California. Escape from the Planet of the Apes, starring Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, and Sal Mineo. Then Roddy McDowell hosts an exclusive AMC production that looks at the Planet of the Apes phenomenon, behind the Planet of the Apes. And Roddy McDowell stars again in the exciting prequel to Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, featuring Ricardo Montalban. It's coming up tonight only on AMC. I watched all of these, I think, pretty much in order, like maybe 88, maybe 89, because mm. I remember coming home from somewhere and there was a whole bunch of tapes on the floor and my dad was getting ready to watch a movie and I just kind of sat down and was curious to what he was watching and it was the very first movie. And we watched that together, and then we watched the next one. And I think we watched the next three the next day, maybe? Because I, I kind of remember watching them, like, all in, all at once, which is odd because usually it, – it must have been the wintertime because usually he would be out, you know, working on the farm or something. But, there's, you know, you live on the farm, there's not a whole lot to do in the middle of winter. But I remember watching them and just being fascinated by them because it's like, yeah. you know, the first one, you've got one man against – a whole planet of apes and then that ending i was like holy crap i couldn't believe that and then there's an escape 
uh, I thought was kind of, you know, a turn and it was had its own little thing and it was funny. You know, it, it was funny and fun until it wasn't, until it became serious. Right, right, until it became deathly serious at the end, yeah. And this one, I thought, was a little scary. And then, you know, the final one. It, how, it is what it is. how old were you when you saw all these? I must have been like five or six or something. Okay. So okay. I was pretty young. And then I, I discovered that not only was there a, a TV show, but there was a cartoon series. Yeah. Yeah. And then they started showing those on the Sci-Fi Channel, and I think that just further fueled my fascination for the series because I've always been a big fan. And then, and then you know, I discovered there were comics and stuff, and, I, and the 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 black and white comic magazines. So I, I've always been a big fan of the series. And this movie is my favorite of the movies. Like yeah, the, yeah, the, I I, I got your back on that because because okay. I I feel really strongly about that like where i mean i i suppose there could be the argument right the the original is the yeah. best type thing but like i remember to to me like and it's it's kind of my my go-to talking about this on the podcast but i mean this this was one of those things in the height of my nihilistic 20s right like like every all this 70s like you know pessimism and mm -hmm. and everything ending on a downbeat like sort of dovetailed its way into exactly how i felt in that era so all that kind of stuff spoke to me it reminds me of the whole you know clerk's line about you know empire's the best one and it's like why because it ends on a downbeat and life is nothing but a series of downbeat endings you know like that's what life is and like it, it was one of those like that you know, it, it definitely transferred over into this. And and now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, I, I think along with things like Gundam and, and, and stuff like that, I think, I think this was a direct result of my disenfranchisement with, with Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, like it was that, it was that thirst to, you know, seek out other, you know, great science fiction franchises that I had not. And, and for me, like that's, you know, I just, you know, like I said, I, I, my distinct memory of this was I stumbled onto this in, in my estimation way late in life, you know, like, and, and I, I think, you know, like, you know, obviously the, the fascination with the original planet of the apes was, you know, Oh, you mean Rod Serling, you know what I mean? Like the twilight mm -hmm. zone connection, like all that stuff. And, and I think for this one, like the, the, the thing that made me stop and pause and take note of this movie in particular was Ricardo Montalban because it was like there there was that you know I mean I know I know he's not you know he's not con Ricardo Montalban in this but you know like that you know Star Trek 2 was always you know a, a big deal for me and 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 seeing him there that made me pause and kind of go wait a you know I know it's more like Fantasy Island Ricardo Montalban in this but it's like it's like what if the SS interrogated fantasy island ricardo Montalban <laughs> or whatever like that's kind of what goes on in this but like but like it was just one of those things where, where i saw him and i was like oh you know you know and i i just kind of took note of that and i mean i know he he makes an appearance at the end of the third movie as well but i think like like i was trying to explain to you i sort of was 
you know, it was like it was like this. This was a marathon that I just I kind of just left on in the background and occasionally got a chance to pay attention to it. And then I would have to go off and, you know, do other crap like that. I was, you know, whatever I was working on some play or doing some kind of student film or whatever. And I would I would be gone and then I'd come back and, you know, maybe watch some more of it or whatever. And, And by then I was so invested in it. I was like, oh, I can't just do what I'm doing. I can't just watch this piecemeal and so i i went out of my way to to get the vhs tapes and like okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch all these like properly and watch them in order and all that kind of stuff and i think kind of like like i mean i i I think you'll find a lot of stuff i got heavily into post star wars disenfranchisement like i mean i remember that's when i started revisiting it's not that i didn't love all the showa era godzilla movies back when I was a kid because I did but I think that's when I first started branching out and going wait there's there's like Heisei era and Millennium and I was trying to like read about it online and put them all together and everything and 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 kind of understand all the different timelines and how they related and what meant what and where different movies actually fit and I think this too with its it's it's kind of you know head splitting time travel the 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 you know what the screenwriter Paul Dean probably calls the the circular nature of these films right like like you trying to put together like all the stuff that happens where it's like okay well this is you know e- even on the Blu-ray I have like I've got the box set which by the way annoys the fuck out of me like the the box set for the Blu-ray in this it has those little like cork type fasteners for the discs because it's like a book basically it's it's like there's this coffee table book in the center right so it's like this rectangular box and it's got a really nice book with all this production stuff and you know it's supposed to be all high-end for quote-unquote collectors but the the more the more i i you know uh, succumb to quote-unquote collector blu-rays the more i'm like this is annoying this takes up too much space and the 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 trays or whatever they are open up like stupidly. And I just wish it was like a regular thing, you know? And, and so like, that's one of those things where it it opens up and it's got, you know, like five discs across it with these little cork things. And you, you know, you insert the discs there, but if you, before you open the flaps, there's like this timeline and it's like, there's like the white timeline, which is supposed to be the, the timeline, like, I guess, the way it's conveyed and sort of explained in Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And then there's the orange timeline. And it's supposed to be like basically, oh, this is when Cornelius and Zero went back in time to the 70s. And then how it, I mean, if you look at it on paper or whatever you want to call it on this box set in front of you, like the main thing you take away from it is it's sped up like, sped the fuck up out of like the 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 apes the planet of the apes you know what i mean like like whereas like if you look at the white timeline it's like aldo saying no and all that crap like it doesn't doesn't go down until like 2050 or something like that like we're not even there yet justin mm. like it doesn't it doesn't happen that quickly and and in some degree you kind of like sitting there going well that would make more sense like why what you know it's not like it's not like we can you know go up to a chimpanzee now and he can like you know shine your shoes or some shit right <laughs> like so so it's like you'd think like oh okay there's some evolutionary period and they they're they're domesticated for you know i don't know half a century or more and and then they start taking on you know more i guess you know 
that labor class type role, you know, and they're all kind of made servants and slaves and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and, and to me, I'm like thinking like, oh yeah, well, it's something like that should take, you know, many millennia of evolution. But, you know, even for the purposes of sci-fi, it's like it's to, to me at the time, it was more believable in the year, what, 2000. Oh, yeah, 50 years. Yeah, apes might be shining my shoes. But, you know, it's like, oh, apes were supposed to be shining my shoes 10 years ago. Like what? Like, you know, like like that, that kind of stuff is like kooky to me. But it's like, I, I guess the explanation is supposed to be somehow that ripple, you know, when they came back with Taylor's little escape craft or whatever like that all it seems like that all sped up everything you know like in terms of their you know their storyline or you know you know I, I i guess it's that kind of what do they call it um uh self-fulfilling prophecy thing or or you know the 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 um you know cyclical nature of time or whatever it's like it's destined to happen it just it, now it's happening more more quickly than it did before that's another thing that always fascinated me about this series is the the timeline and also like the multiple what you're describing like the multiple timelines the stuff that happened the stuff that didn't happen because of e either taylor or cornelius and zira and muriel going back in time because like in escape cornelius is talking about aldo you know he was mm -hmm. the he was the gorilla who one day said no what that 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 doesn't happen because of their child because Caesar gets uh, you know left behind you know he gets he gets switched with the other baby who gets <laughs> horribly killed but but right, yeah right. And, and then you've got the TV show that's thrown in there somewhere then you've got the cartoon series which probably it's one of those like DBZ movie things it's like if you like oh, squint yeah, at it it's like maybe yeah. it could happen at some point because the humans are talking but I don't know when <laughs> it's really weird but but yeah yeah it's 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 definitely one of those things where you you, you, you know, you, you, you want everything to fit and line up, or at least I, I remember I did with like a lot of these things, whether it was, you know, Godzilla or Transformers or whatever. But then then you start seeing like, oh, look, there's these clear lines of delineation, at least with like Godzilla, with the different eras of movies. Right. And I think we, with some of this stuff in Planet of the Apes, like there's there's delineations within just the five films right like like that eventually it's going to come back to the same the same place right but it's it's interesting how they're like you're saying there's certain things that don't line up with the history they've been told but then i mean you 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 could rationalize it within the the context of the five films i suppose by saying you know i mean we're told about quote unquote history all the time. Right. But that doesn't, we didn't live it. We weren't there. We don't know for sure that that's exactly what happens. So maybe the Aldo thing gets parroted like through the, through the centuries to, to, you know, ape city residents. Right. And that that's, that's the, the uh, doctrine, the mantra. Right. But then it turns out like, because they have to, you know, treat everything, you know, what the, the, uh, the theologians and science orangutans, you know, they have to cover up all this, you know, forbidden stuff and, and, and pretend like humans were always, you know, deaf, dumb and stupid. So that part of that, you know, the, the, the whole Caesar thing gets, gets kind of wiped away from, from their history too. Like you could try to rationalize it that way, but I, I know what you're saying with like all the, the cartoons and the comics and different things like that. Like they, they, they can't all line up. Yeah.
I don't know about you, but I think probably Roddy McDowell's best performance, like not just yeah. in the eight movies, but just of maybe his whole career. Like I, I'm no expert or super fan, but I've seen him in a lot of movies and TV shows over the years. And, you know, in the eighties, he definitely took some stuff to, you know, pay the bills or, you know, pay off right. his house or something. But like in here, like he's great. And what, what I really love is the moment Caesar steps off the helicopter, like he's a complete, He's completely like naive and innocent about how things really are. Like Armando has kept him isolated, like basically. Like they, the when the uh, when the police when they're interrogating him, they're like, "Oh, you've been out in the provinces." Like what, whatever that means. I don't know why they just didn't say like, "Oh, you've been out in the sticks or in the country." They're like, "You don't eat, you don't know how bad it's getting." But you kind of get the feeling like he he's completely naive he doesn't know about this armando well, protected him and then he he experiences i'm, I'm gonna like, blame the the provinces thing on the there's a british director and a british screen oh so so, okay. so so even though even though they're they're trying to write this for american audiences and everything i think i think you know just like like somebody kind of going oh you know I don't know Simon Furman or, or or Grant Morrison or somebody write a book and it's like it's supposed to be you know a cowboy but all of a sudden you 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 see some you know British colloquialisms kind right. of seep their way into the dialogue and I think I I I would just be willing to say that that's just a product of that like that that you know perhaps if somebody had you know reviewed it with a fine tooth and comb and just said hey we want to we want to kind of touch this up a little bit like yeah maybe they would have said you know the 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 country or the the sticks or you know whatever colloquialism that would have you know made it make more sense but in this case they you know it's like there is a you know th th there is some some british kind of slang or whatever you want to call it colloquialism to it you know but uh as Caesar and Armando are walking through the city, like he he sees how his fellow apes are are treated, how they're kind of instructed to be servants, and then you know everything kind of goes wrong when Caesar can't keep his mouth shut and he yells "lousy human bastards" and that kind of you know that starts everything, man. He's like as soon as he says it, he's like oh, and he like puts the paper in his mouth and they take Armando off and then he has to hide and then. They interrogate Armando forever, and he falls out the window. And then Caesar, you know, has to kind of abandon his naivete. He even has to like strip naked and get in the cage, and you know, go through eight processing, and you know, quote unquote, learn to pour a pitcher full of water. While some of the other apes, like you know, they're like, you know, oh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But he, but but basically, Caesar sees so much, and he. Once he hears about Armando's death, like that's it, man. Like he he starts, yeah. and it starts slowly. It's like the way they start. It's just like you know disobedience. Like oh, I'm just gonna like screw up your your shoe shine, or I'm just gonna like throw this book away and not bring it to you. And it just kind of slowly escalates. Like he's amassing knives and flamethrowers and kerosene and guns and and whatever whatever that little like one thing. That kitchen utility was, and he's just like, no, we don't need this, and he tosses it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't need a magnifying glass. We need weapons, <laughs> or we need uh, slips to get us more ammunition and stuff. 
But he's great. And I, I love his, especially his speech at the end, man. It's so, I I wish that original ending hadn't been kept and they hadn't have walked it back or made it like less impactful. But but his speech at the end of the movie is so great. Yeah. Well, I mean, I one, I agree with you about the performance. I mean, you know, some of it is, I, I think it's a combination of things, you know, like this is, this is an extremely well-written screenplay you know caesar has a tremendous arc in this right mm-hmm. it's 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 by design it's carefully crafted it's it's and and again like it it's very the traje- trajectory of it is extremely well written and then roddy mcdowell is a master actor like he he's he's you know perfect at his craft he's worked with this makeup like for you know, two other movies, right? Like he's he's perfected the style within the the mask, right? And then on top of that, like there's a lot of stuff that's dialogueless. You know, like like that that other actors might have a tough time being in the mask for the first time, or just just have a tough time, even if they weren't wearing makeup, to convey things. You know, emotions and signals and directions and everything because he doesn't necessarily talk to his fellow apes and there's a lot of kind of unsaid glances and looks and you know it's like you know when when lisa's checking them out in the bookstore or when you know the 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 insurrection you're talking about it's like he you know those apes don't understand english but the the moment when he divvies up the banana you know like that that you know it's just like all that stuff there's no dialogue there's no you know it's it's it, it's not like they're having him do some kind of goofy thing where he's like okay guys everybody gets a little bit of banana you know like like there's nothing like that it's it's just it's it's all dialogue free and and it it conveys the the, the meaning perfectly right so i agree with all of that I felt like going back for a minute, though, because this was the first time I kind of contemplated this, like, you know, like trying to 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 contemplate this as the whole choose your own adventure type thing. And it's like the, the original intent. Right. Like, it's funny because they, they set up this kind of 1984 authoritarian state, you know, the the you know, and it is all you know it's pretty heavy-handed but it's all done on purpose and the symbolism is there right like all the all the guys are wearing their black suits and black turtlenecks and everybody's in dark colors and then the apes have all their like prison outfits the greens and the reds and the orange and all that kind of stuff right but then it's like armand is there to promote the circus and hand out flyers and you're talking about how you thought it was funny that that this was in you know that this takes place in 1991 and i had to keep reminding myself like okay well you know he can't get on the internet and 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 do social media stuff about his circus you know uh, in 1991 right like so you know and 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 it's like it it i don't know it reminded me of when i used to be in community plays and you would go around to like stores and be like hey would you mind putting that or, or high school plays or whatever? And it's like, Hey, would you mind putting up my poster for inherit the wind? Or <laughs> would you mind putting up my poster 
uh, for guys and dolls or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it was like this, the, you know, some flyer or whatever that said what nights it was on and how much the tickets were and that kind of thing. And 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 it was the idea was you would go. I mean, you know, to me, it's like quaint and crazy, but you'd go to a business and just say, hey, can I put this up in the window? And is that OK? And all that stuff. And that's what that's all that Armand's doing. And then part of you, part of you wonders like, OK, well, one, he's been treating apes humanely for his entire existence, right? Clearly he's he's raised Caesar like a father, right? So there and 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 on top of that, he probably loves all the animals that he works with at his circus, right? So 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 there, there's probably always been that aspect of his personality that he's been an animal lover, but then so so th this is this this thought is kind of foolish, but it's like, well, clearly he has no ape servants to go you know, promote Dude. his flyers or anything like that. It's not yeah. like, it's not like he has any help, right? It's not like there's, there's other people that can do this. You're guessing like he's kind of the, the main, you know, he, he's the, the what ringmaster, the promoter, the manager, like he's, he's the, the main game in town. So I guess he, he has to come to the city to do this. And then, then the other thing you think about is, well, then he he had to bring Caesar with like he had like did did he have to bring him with him? Like, I, I think the thought was what he brings Caesar with him. Caesar keeps his mouth shut. He, he kind of exposes him a little bit because it's like it's like kind of like saying like, hey, look, I know I've kept you sheltered this whole time, but I, I need you to get a little glimpse of the real world. So, you know, kind of how good you have it and, 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 you know, what, how other apes are treated, you know, uh, not in the sticks, I guess, to use your colloquialism, right? Like, like when they're not, you know, all, in the big cities, this is, this is how it goes down with the apes, right? They're, 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 you know, night sticked and, 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 you know, flamethrowers and all, you know, basically like all this stuff that you're seeing, like people get shocked and, and 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 tranquilized and all this other stuff if they get out of line and then you know you you get to the point where he fucks up right he 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 says you know lousy human bastards right and he the, the but the whole point was originally like the original concept was they were going to come they were going to pass out flyers he was going to keep his mouth shut and then they were going to go back to the circus the circus was going to pass through this town or this city this kind of authoritarian city and and some of these high muckety mucks were gonna what pay fat cash to to see him ride around on a horse and then and then they were gonna leave the town and go off and perform in the sticks again or go to other places but that's i mean obviously that's not what goes down but like in an ideal world that's I'm, I, I was just trying to figure it out in my head like like ideally that's what would have happened had had the the events not turned out like they did right or or maybe in that aldo timeline armand didn't take caesar with him caesar stayed at the circus maybe maybe armand like eventually got a female chimp and then that cornelius bloodline continued and then in 2050 that's when armand or in 2050 that's when aldo finally aldo. said no yeah okay but yeah that is kind of interesting because i mean there's at the very beginning, when it's still Caesar and Armand, like I, I like those scenes, but you kind of want you want a little bit more background information, like you know, 
like it's like you're saying like why exactly like why now like 20 years later after he's raised caesar like why now has he decided to bring him out into the open like he has to know it's dangerous and clearly yeah yeah Caesar there, can't there, handle it there there is some aspect where you you wonder if he it's like there's that part of you that's like armand must realize how dangerous it is but then there's that part of you that's like well clearly he doesn't because he never uh, I, I it, it it you know it's like one of those things where to me every time they had a quiet exchange of expo uh, expository information you know in the first 10 minutes of the movie it's like uh, to me all of those are potentially pitfalls for them to to be either imprisoned and or executed by the state i mean i mean it's 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 like it's one of those things where maybe the, the what you're talking about just being out in the sticks and and just being like him and caesar like he somehow lured himself into a a false sense of security you know what i mean because because yeah. you know maybe maybe he's going there too to remind himself you know what i mean because it's like mm. it's like that's that, that's one of those things where you're like well you know you 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 separate yourself from from stuff like that and think like you're somehow immune because you're you're far away from it but i mean w once he's there you know what i mean like there there's that there's that aspect where they, you know, they, they see all that stuff and it's like, he constantly has to, you know, kind of hold Caesar back and, you know, you know, and he's like, you know, what you see may shock you, but you got to keep your trap shut and all this other stuff. And it's like, you know, and, and, and like the funny part is like, he's not, you know, it's like, he's a parent, right? He's not, he's not angry at him when he yells at the, the, the Gestapo cops or whatever they are, right? Like that, the, you know, he, he, he yells lousy human bastards. And, and, and of course, you know, that, that's, that's part of that perfect arc, right? Cause if you, if you look at the timeline, that, that was another thing I was looking at, right? I was like, Oh, so they, they go back in time. And I think it's like 1971, or maybe it's 1972 or something. I forget, but like basically, I, I think I think it's like Caesar's probably like 18 in this. So like at the beginning of it, he's a very naive 18 year old. Do you know what I mean? Like and 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 it's that that thing where like you know you've you fucked up in front of your parents and and you didn't mean to, and you're like, oh dude, I'm sorry, dad. Like I effed up. I. I, I, I yelled and you told me I shouldn't and you told me how important this was, but I, you know, and, and he's like, no, no, no. Like I, I, you just said what I was thinking. Like, so don't, you know, don't beat yourself up about this. And then he immediately goes into like, you know, kind of like recovery mode or plan mode or, you know, it's like, it's like that thing of like, he's going to preserve his, his legacy or his son, you know, like, like where it's, it's it's like all right look like this is our story like our story is like you you know you know you were afraid of big cities and i couldn't find you and i'll try to convince them and hopefully i'll come back here at night but if i don't come back at night and that's that moment where he's like oh, what do you mean if you don't come back at night you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean like there's that great moment where he doesn't say that but like there's that there's that thing of like you could see the concern where he's like wait a minute like, because because he's he's kind of trying to calm him down a little bit, but he says, "Look, if I don't, 
then this is what this is plan B. This is what you're going to do. You know, you're going to take off your clothes. You're going to jump into one of these shipments and then they they won't be able to find you type thing. And 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 that's the the plan B, you know, and and so. Yeah, I mean, this film, I don't know what it is. It's like, I, 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 I know there's probably some people who don't have the same love for this film as they do maybe for some of the others, but I just find it really, like, captivating. Like, like it, it it's like I'm never, you know, I, I'm always glued to the screen. Like, and, and like you said, I mean, a great deal of that has to do with Roddy McDowell's performance. I think also a lot of it has to do with the, the screenwriting and everything like i'm just i'm 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 just intrigued and and captivated by everything that's kind of going on and trying to keep up with this i don't know this future world or whatever that they're in and stuff like that so it's like that that part of it like just engages me i think i also i mean this this also kind of reminds me of the the amusement i get out of watching the the 70s Spider-Man TV show when basically in that they would have like stock shots of New York, but then I could always tell, Oh dude, no, they're just in downtown LA. Like, and I, I, I would know exactly where they were and stuff. And I don't know why that always amused me, but this, this was shot in century city. And I guess the history of it was originally century city was a 20th century backlot that got sold to a bunch of developers, but then it became this, business district and believe it or not like that's that's one of the places where i got my my casino job i mean it was it was they, they, they didn't you know the casinos weren't in century city but i remember i was looking around because i had done i had done you know legal secretary work and different things like that and so i was trying to find some kind of temp work or whatever and then that somehow that rolled into hey uh you know what do you think about this and i was like oh it sounds weird to me but okay like whatever's gonna pay the bills you know and i i i went ahead and checked it out and then that led to me doing training and all these different places and stuff like that but it started in that business district and then you know century city i would go to a lot to watch movies like the first the first time i went to la was because well not the first time but like the first time i was living in la was because you know i was going to loyola marymount and at the time i was kind of stupid like i didn't know where all the movie theaters were locally like i could have easily like driven down to Playa del Rey and it would have taken like 10 minutes and there would have been two movie theaters I could have easily gone to. And eventually like I figured that out. Like by the time Showgirls came out, I I, I knew to go down to Playa del Rey and go to these close movie theaters nearby and all that kind of shit. But I remember the first movie that I ever watched in when when I moved to Los Angeles and went to Loyola Marymount was Mallrats. Because I was I was really excited about mall rats because it was the sequel to clerks and i was big into kevin smith at the time and all this other shit and i was like okay well i'm i'm living in this new place i've never lived before and to me i'm like so how the fuck what do i do how the fuck do i go to a movie like what what do i you know what i mean like i was like and i was like okay well here's this newspaper and here's some times and i'm like oh it's this century city you know megaplex or whatever the fuck it was you know like century city theaters okay whatever i i guess that seems close and it it wasn't like it was far away but 
it wasn't like local to where I was. Right. So, so I went out of my way to watch this movie and, and we saw plenty of movies at century city. I remember watching, you know, the, the, the uh, two towers, you know, and a bunch of, you know, just a ton of movies I did see in century city. And, and, and I had friends that worked at some of the restaurants there and all that other kind of stuff. But the, the point is, it was a little out of the way, but it's not a place that I was unfamiliar with. So for some reason, like there's also that kind of added, uh, I don't know, zeal or wow factor. Or what, I don't know what it is. It's just it's funny looking at, you know, it's like, oh, cool. Like, I, you know, I'm 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 running around the, the business district where they shot Planet of the Apes. You know what I mean? Like like that kind of thing. So it's like some some stuff. It's 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 easily recognizable i think there was some other stuff that was done in irvine too and i think some of those shots aren't as recognizable to me but the the century city stuff all kind of stands out and it's the majority of the stuff with like the buildings and the shops and the you know it's like that 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 was all pretty recognizable to me the funny part is a lot of that stuff is completely different now so i mean it it it's it's there and some of the buildings are still there but i mean as far as like the main like mall area like that i remember the last time even i was there before i left it was it was vastly different you know so and and it's funny how like they in all these documentaries they kind of i i feel like they almost like throw it under the bus like they spent all this money to purchase this land and have all these developers make these you know, these buildings and these malls and different things like that. But then in, in a lot of the documentaries and stuff, they, they constantly say how it's the perfect setting for something that's cold and, you know, futuristic and, and, and you know, I, I forget how they describe it, but just th this kind of dystopian kind of feel, you know, this kind of colorless, you know, backdrop that that is is you know supposed to be this this uh subtle kind of feeling of fascism just because everything is is uh you know monochromatic and and very sleek and and you know i don't know you know it's not like there's tons of trees or anything, you know what i mean like stuff like that derek in the uh auto timeline you would have been working at the casino, but you would have been teaching a gorilla how to deal cards. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> do, do. I, I'm, I'm always impressed with like how the fuck do they know what to do exactly? Like sometimes I'm kind of like these, these, these guys don't speak English, but then they, 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 they get trained to do the one thing, and do means the one thing that they do. I guess I don't know. I, but, I always wondered like. When they're like shooting them with a flamethrower, but they're supposed to grab the banana through it. Like, what is that teaching them? Exactly? Well, there that that was supposed to be the callback to. Remember the guy that was working with the guy at the 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 phony Benny Hanna's or whatever, and and he's cooking with the wok, and then the flames go off, and then the guy, the little chimp guy, like runs away because he's mm. scared of the flame. Like what that's supposed to establish is. Because that that cook says, and they said they conditioned them for the fire. What the uh -oh. fuck? Like okay. that that was what that was supposed to represent. That there it was like supposed to be like we're we're gonna purge these gorillas or you know whoever it is right of of their their natural fear of fire by offering them bananas while okay. a flamethrower is spurting off. Their goal isn't to 
set them on fire. But the goal is, okay, look, you're going to feel comfortable after we do this. But I got to tell you, as somebody who's been in a hot air balloon before, like, I don't think you ever fucking get comfortable no matter how many fucking bananas you have. Because when you're <laughs> when you're in that hot air balloon and the, the guy pulls the thing and it goes, <laughs> you like your initial reaction is like, holy fuck, there's a furnace inferno like right next to my face. Like, so there's that part of you that's like, dude, I don't know that I would ever get used to that. But I suppose the guy that does those tours like every day, right, is is ideally what they want in a, a conditioned ape, right? Just some guy who's like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to I'm gonna push the, the, the string and it's going to flame, right? And that guy, I mean, he did that, you know, I'm sure he did tours like that, like three times a day, five days a week, or sometimes on weekends, you know, all that shit. Right. Like, so it's like that guy probably, it doesn't, doesn't mean squat to him. So, I mean, ideally, right. I, I think that's what they were, they were probably going for. You know, you know, the other thing about this, this film that I think is, it, it's like the, the, they always talked about how, you know, the, the this franchise basically like was one of the first franchises you know you had Mego dolls and you had all this kind of stuff like you know uh, it's like uh, 20th century fox wants you to go ape you know like and watch all these fucking movies and and i'm sure they had like like marathon shit when these movies came out where you would you know like you would watch all of them back to back at a theater or something like that and you know obviously there was a huge budget in the first film and you could see as each sequel went on, the idea was, well, we want to make money, but we want to keep slashing the budget. That's why it went from a planet full of apes to, you know, escape from the planet of the apes. There's only three fucking apes, right? Like, so it's like a lot less makeup, right? And it's all set in modern day, so they don't have to worry about sets and all this other stuff. They just shoot on location and that kind of thing. And w what that brings me to is in this, and I, I think they do it exceptionally well i mean i i know i was saying they were throwing century city under the bus but i'm, I'm just kind of like one of those things where it's like dude they they had this great location and they used it right so they didn't have to build the sets right like they 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 shot mostly on that lot or you know i guess at that point you know it was a a business area but it was mostly shot on location but like my favorite that i always i'll, I'll make fun of it but i think it's pretty well done is and you mentioned it, so so it's not like it's a spoiler or anything like that. But you know, Armand's death scene, right? Like he, he he's tired of getting the the Spanish Inquisition from the little light in the ceiling, and then he 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 jumps out of the window. But all it is is a stunt guy like jumping through like one window, and then they do shaky cam all the way to the ground, right? So it's not like they ever filmed you know, somebody actually jumping out of a building or anything crazy like that. But you know what happened, right? Like, and, and so, I mean, part of me makes fun of it because I can see that's a, that, that was done the way it was done for budgetary reasons. But I also kind of applaud like, Hey, you know, like they, 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 they worked with what they had to work with and they did it rather well, you know? So there, there's that, that aspect to this, you know, as well, where it's like, you can see that that was something where, you know, if it was today, it'd be some, you know, CGI spectacle of him, like fucking falling in slow-mo going <laughs> or whatever. Right. Like, but in this, it's just kind of like, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, j just like even in the first movie, like the, the way the, the ship crashes, 
You know what I mean? Like that that they didn't have the budget to do this outlandish model explosion, whatever it is, and they you know you shoot it all from the perspective of the the window and it like getting submerged in water. So basically, it's like you've got some windshields that have a bunch of you know craziness going on with it and then all of a sudden there's a bunch of water on the windshields and you know okay look they crashed and they crashed in some water you know like and and it's kind of the same idea with with Armand's death you know and that's that's one of those things where I'm like hey you know that they they did what they had to do and it worked yeah and the same with Brent's ship I mean I think there's nothing you just you just cut to Brent's ship and it's already laying in the desert yeah yeah so, I mean, I know I don't think I saw the the quote unquote uncut version of this until these Blu-rays came out, which I'm trying to remember now when that was. But I feel like it was like, you know, what, 20, maybe maybe right before Rise of the Planet of the Apes came out or something. Was it like 2013 or 20, 2012? I don't know. I'm, I'm probably just making up dates because I, I didn't <laughs> look this up. But like, I, I, I mean, that was one of those things where. That that was something I think you could always tell. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Like you said, you watched this when you were really young. So maybe you're a better litmus for that. But I I mean, when I was 20, I was like, oh, wait, I can tell there's like extra. You know, it's like it goes from like Roddy McDowell going, and this will be the time, you know, and then all of a suden it's like then he's like. But we will put a war weapons, you know, and, and you're just, just like, oh, of his eyes you know, and you're like, well, you, clearly you can tell it was like recorded in another room and they they either they either, you know, stay on his mouth for like a second or totally cut to his eyes the whole time. So, like, you know, as as, as again, as a as a, you know, 20 something, you know, nihilistic 20s as a 20 something who was heavily into acting and film, it was it was pretty easy for me to discern like, oh, wait, they 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 cleaned this up at the end so it didn't have that uh you know it, it didn't you know end completely you know with uh viva la revolution like you know kill all the lawyers type of stuff you know so and action hello i'm roddy mcdowell and welcome back to the sci-fi channel's planet of the apes week the fourth apes film takes place in 1991 the no longer primitive apes have gone from being simple household pets to slaves, suffering under mankind's cruelest punishments. Oh, it's a situation ripe for revolution. A revolution that can only be led by the intelligent son of two champion... Sorry. We're going to continue rolling. <coughs> We're back to one. Hello, I'm Roddy McDowell, and welcome back to the Sci-Fi Channel's Planet of the Apes week. The fourth ape film takes place in 1991. The no longer primitive apes have gone from being simple household pets to slaves suffering under mankind's cruelest punishments. Or it's a situation ripe for revolution. A revolution that can only be led by the intelligent son of two chimpanzee visitors from the future. Tonight, the Sci-Fi Channel's Planet of the Apes week continues as the apes rise up to begin the conquest of the Planet of the Apes. As a little kid, I never noticed it. When I 
first noticed something was off was when I was a teenager and I was rewatching these mm. because, um, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before on an old episode, but in the mid nineties, sci-fi channel ran a week long marathon of all the movies hosted by Roddy McDowell. And he would kind of, you know, in between commercials, he would have like a couple of minutes to just talk about the films and stuff. And I taped all these and I've still got my tapes. That's one of those things I, I never taped over or got rid of. And I, I've still got them somewhere. I think it might have been during that viewing where I was like, there's something wrong with this ending. And I, I, I thought maybe like the film got damaged and that's why they had to like make it look the way it looked. And then I think it was like. For me, early days of the internet, which would be like, you know, 99 or something, seemed like I remember reading this on a message board, and it, it turned into one of those, like, legendary things, like, you know, the the supposed alternate ending of King Kong versus Godzilla were, you know, ah. yeah, which that one's not true, but then, you know, both of those stuck with me. I'm just like, man, I, I would love to see that footage, and then, you know, the King Kong thing turned out to be not true, and then... I heard about these Blu-rays coming out, and it's got, you know, some deleted footage, including the original ending. I was like, holy crap, well, I've, I've got to see that. Like, yeah, that, yeah. That sounds great. What I like about it is there's no there's no no from Lisa, because in the original yeah. ending, Lisa's, yeah. uh, Lisa is the instigation for, for the for the mercy, because she's... Well, what, what does that tell you? If, if my girlfriend's <laughs> a vegetarian, that pretty much makes me a vegetarian, you know? Like that's it's, it's all about, you know, all, all it takes is a, a good woman to steer a guy away from complete and total commitment to, to revolution, you know, so. But I always thought that the no was odd because it's like, well, did did Caesar teach her English in the in between sequences or like when, you know, when he met her for intimidation in that awkward scene like in, in the afterglow like did he start teaching her english the way taylor was teaching nova i kind of wondered about that possibly i mean i mean i, I don't know if teaching is the right word but right. you know they, they are designed to be mimics right and mm -hmm. and it, it, I, I would imagine if he spoke to anyone in particular in a very uh sensitive and and uh, uh intimate manner it would have been her right like not not only in that sequence but there's there's that really nice sequence where uh, he overhears that armand you know uh, breck is sitting there kind of going i know that son of a bitch was lying and he jumped out the fucking thing and he killed himself you know and then that's you know that that's when you know caesar gets that information right that that armand you know, has, has died. Right. And that's basically like hearing, you know, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne are dead. Right. Like for him. Right. Like that's, that's, you know, again, it, it, it's one of those great moments that we're talking about with the caliber of Roddy McDowell's acting. Like there's no dialogue, but you, you, you see the look on his face and you see the pain he's in. Mm -hmm. And what's great about that is then Lisa, yeah. You know, she she knows. Right. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if she understands the words completely. Like, I don't know that she knows that somebody's died, but but she's she's not oblivious to the suffering or the pain that he's he's been struck with just then. And, and she offers like her her hand and arm and comfort. Right. Like and so like there there's that 
you know, they, they try to set that up a little bit at least. I mean, you know, I, I don't, again, like I, I get what you're saying. Like it does come out of left field. It's like, well, how does she learn how to talk? But I, I, I would think it like you said, I mean, a, a good analogy to it would be like Nova, right? Like, like Nova, you know, I mean, I, I think Taylor's a little more proactive, you know, where he's kind of like, yeah. you know, you talk like, you know, type thing like Nova, you know, <laughs> like, like all that, that kind of, you know what I mean? Like he's a little more proactive than, than Caesar would have been, but I, I think it's supposed to be the same idea. And it also, I mean, I, I could see it. I mean, it probably wasn't in the original screenplay, but I can see it being an aspect of that cyclical, kind of pattern that these films have where it's like supposed to be a parallel, you know, in, in a, in an opposite sense, right. Instead of a speechless human, you know, a female, you've got a speechless female chimpanzee who who starts to learn, you know, instead of it being like, you know, it's like, she goes, no, or whatever, you know, but that's, you know, that's, that's, I mean, the, the main difference, you know, it's funny because it's like what the, the original, Runtime, I think, is 86 minutes for the theatrical cut. And I think, like, the uncut version is 87 minutes. And and what's funny is I almost thought, like, shouldn't... Or, or, or I think maybe it's the other way around. Like, the uncut version is 86 and the theatrical is 87 or something. And I was like, well, shouldn't shouldn't the uncut version be longer? Because yeah. he, he, he... But then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, I guess they cut some of his padded speech you know the the and we will put away our weapons you know like all that kind of stuff like the 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 toning down of the the final monologue there right and and then the the other thing that i tried to pay attention to this time i mean most of it well there's two things most of it in the actual uncut version most of the main differences are with the level of violence like there's there's a lot more blood every time people get shot, which, you know, it would seem to be more realistic. Right. But, but I think if you watch the theatrical version, there are a lot of gunshots and maybe apes like flying from ceilings onto the floor or whatever. But there's not so much, you know, you don't see the, the bloody results of of gunshots, uh, whether they be to human beings and or apes in the uncut version. A lot of the SS looking guards that get beat up, like they all have that kind of tomato soup ketchup shit all over their face, you know, like when they're they're thrown into these piles and stuff. So you can see they've been beaten and they've had their skulls cracked open and all that kind of stuff. There is a a very distinct sequence in the uncut version. You talked about the guys with the flamethrowers and the guys, you know, flamethrowing and putting the bananas and having them be conditioned to fire. And there's a sequence where there's a whole group of chimpanzees and gorillas, and they're trying to get past this one guy who's trying to hold them off. This one dude's trying to hold them off with a flamethrower and he keeps spurting out flames. And then one gorilla sneaks up behind him and tackles him in the theatrical version he kind of tackles him and it's like wah, wah, wah. okay he yeah. tackled the guy and then some of these apes leap past the fire and then they go on about their business in the uncut version the ape that tackles him picks up the torch and torches that guy like there's a whole if, if you know the sequence in in nightmare on elm street where the one guy wears the flame suit and and does freddy krueger on fire or if you're familiar with like swamp thing like west craven i guess did this a lot where people get 
set on fucking fire and run around and shit. It's 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 very much like that. That entire moment was cut out because, you know, that that kind of was the stuff I think the test audiences reacted either adversely to or, or made Fox get cold feet that this was not going to be a commercially viable film and, and would potentially get them an R rating, I think was the fear, right? That, that not so much that like they cared about whether or not the audiences were squeamish, but that if the ratings board gave it an R, then there would be less people, you know, they, they, they wanted the kids and the parents and, you know, they wanted the whole, the whole demographic to, to be able to pay for tickets to watch this film, right? And so they, they toned that down. There's, I think, a sequence where Breck shoots one of the apes in the face. And then, like I said, there's there's a lot more kind of violence, whether it be, you know, basically that last 30 minutes of, of you know, carnage and rioting. There's, there's a lot more specific shots of the, the apes and or the humans you know that are, are bloodied and 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 wounded and or killed from the result of this revolt and then i guess i don't know do, do you want to talk about like the the beginning that was supposed like there supposedly there was something yeah. shot for the opening and and that was not on any uncut version we ever got but it is referenced by breck in one of the opening sequences because he talks about how there's this unrest among the ape population and how some ape you know nearly killed his master the other night and went off on his own and then had to be put down and uh you know that was supposed to be the opening sequence of conquest of the planet of the apes it was supposed to be you see somebody in the shadows running away and somebody in a in a you know dark gestapo suit and then the person running away gets shot, and then the reveal is supposed to be like, dun, 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 it's an ape that got shot, you know, and that, that was supposed to be the opening. The main evidence of that, I think, is there's a, the, the Marvel comics, like, they, they were doing Planet of the Apes comics in, I want to say, like, 75, 76, like, which, which, which is interesting, because they must have, I don't know, like, a lot of people say they must have been operating on a, you know, a previous draft or whatever. But like, part of me thinks like, well, the movie already came out. So like, I, I don't know how that ended up happening. But if you, if you read like issues 17 to 21, a lot of the stories in that are, it's, it's got great Alfredo Alcala art and like it adapts this film basically. And, and the first like page or two is that sequence of, you know, the ape running away and getting getting capped by one of the guards or whatever. So there's that opening sequence that that I guess is, you know, uh, was not in this uncut Blu-ray version that was released, what, in 2012 or 2013 or whatever. There's also a, uh, a Cinefantastique that mentions it, um, but it says, The first evening of shooting... The sinister opening title sequence was shot. Tracking shots of deserted sidewalks and buildings were filmed, and then a black-costumed and helmeted guard was shown, entering the frame with an intensely serious demeanor on his face, a light shining coldly and fiercely on him. Then what looked like a man in a black jumpsuit appeared, running away into the background. 
a tracking shot of black boots glides back to reveal the same dark figure running on the bridge. The guard spots him and runs after in desperate pursuit. Looming black buildings backdrop the chase as brilliant white light floods the foregrounds, making the running figures look like shadows. And so that that's the only other, I guess, that's the only other, I guess, evidence that, you know, this, this sequence was at some point shot, but just not included in the, the I guess, uncut version. You, you know what else I noticed this time about watching that uncut version? Like, there's a lot of moments with Breck where during those riots or revolutionary sequences that that last half hour, like they seem to rescore some of it because there's more footage. And so you've got the music that's playing in the background, but there's not always sound effects of what's going on in the background. Like if somebody's like, I don't know, putting somebody with a gun or doing whatever, it's like you just kind of hear the music and all this stuff is going down. And sometimes what I'll notice is, it's like Breck will say one thing and then he'll keep talking, but there's no ADR on whatever the additional line of dialogue is. And I, I, I could be wrong. I mean, I didn't do like a strict stare and compare, but I kind of feel like in the theatrical version, they never had that problem because the music was all synced up and there was just the one line of dialogue. Whereas I think in, in the uncut version, like they left some of that extra stuff in. So there'll be like sequences where Breck will be like, do you see like it's going to be a planet of apes. And then, and then like two seconds later, you'll see him kind of ranting again, but there's like no dialogue, but you can see his mouth moving. So I don't, I don't know if you noticed that or not. I do really enjoy this, the uh, score for this. Yeah. Yeah. Especially there's one track called Subjugation Soul, and you hear it in the background when the guard is kind of escorting Caesar through the training facility, like when he's about to be processed. It's just really like, I don't know how to describe it, it's a really bizarre like guitar, electronic guitar riff. It's just so weird, and I I loved it so much that I would put it on like mixtapes and big CDs, so like you know, I'd, I'd be driving somewhere with my friends, and, you know, I, I, I would have, like, normal contemporary music, you know, like, you know, The Beatles or Metallica or just whatever I was listening to at the moment that was on a mixed CD. And then I'd have, like, maybe a, something from, like, episode two, and then I would have that piece of music from Conquest, and everyone, whenever that came, came on, everyone immediately would be like, well, what is this? This is so weird. And I'm like, oh, this is from Conquest of the Planet of the Eight. Isn't it great? Even you know, just get the fun of looks. But um, I, I've always enjoyed the score. Yeah, no, no, it's a good score. And 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 I think it, it you know, there, there's, yeah, I, I think a lot of the the music just kind of exemplifies the, I don't know, the 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 frenetic feeling of that last sequence. You know, like that that works really well. Although they do, for like the last couple of scenes, they do use a piece from the original film. That always kind of stood out to me. I'm like, wait, this is from the original movie. But it's okay. It, it totally works for like that end sequence.
influence or for resonance i guess like you know of 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 the majority of films i mean we might not be alone in this being our favorite because i feel like a lot of comics wanted to explore this particular era of planet of the apes like more so than others you know it's not it's not like it's not like there's a bunch of people that are like dude i i totally want to do a comic about the behold my face into my god guys and make a whole (laughs) mini series about those crazy kooks you know like like it's not like that was going on but you like like so after they do the the uh 17 to 21 of marvel planet of the apes which has you know, segments in it where it adapts the film in various chapters, the conquest of the planet of the apes. They had a issue between, so 22 was in between, and then 23 started the adaptation of battle for the planet of the apes. And since 22 takes place in between, it literally was a story where it took place in between conquest of the planet of the apes and battle of the planet of the apes. And of course, in that they're going off of the, I guess, toned down slash theatrical version of it, because in that, not only is McDonald there, you know, as he should be for the transition between conquest and battle, but there's a bearded kind of frazzled Breck, who's also one of the human, quote unquote, you know, servants that, of course, you know, through the course of the story, it's like, you know, him and Aldo are the ones that give Caesar the most trouble, right? Like at one point, I think uh, Aldo goes to what will eventually be declared the Forbidden Zone, gets a bunch of machine guns, tries to kill Caesar, and then brings a wagon full of machine guns back to the camp. Uh, Caesar comes back and says, "I've because it's some kind of contest of like, who's going to be the better leader? And when Caesar comes back, he's like, I haven't brought you anything physical, but I bring you the greatest gift of all information. Stay the fuck away from the forbidden zone. It's got radiation. It's bad news. You know, like that was his thing. And then Aldo comes back and goes, look, I got these guns. Of course, Breck takes the guns and holds uh, Lisa uh, hostage at gunpoint. And then this orangutan like jumps him from behind and, you know, they, they work it out or whatever. What's funny is. Caesar has a second opportunity to bash Breck's head in with a a rock and then of course does the Mr. Cap thing and like tosses the rock right next to his his face and doesn't actually bash his head in and is like get the fuck out of here and 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 he you know runs off with his other guys presumably to go become you know my face into my god guys or some shit you know what i mean like they they go run off to do whatever so there's that aspect where that you know somebody's interested in you know, following up on, you know, how does this transition from, you know, conquest to battle? There is a, there's a few issues of the Malibu Planet of the Apes comics. Issue 19 is a one-shot tie-in. I kind of feel like, you you know, the guy, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, the likenesses in those comics were not always, uh, uh, what's the nicest way to put this? You know, they they weren't like these, you know, 
photorealistic likenesses or anything, but I'm pretty sure you're following. It's it's like I want to say it's a prequel to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, but it's more like a a sidequel or something. Like you you follow a day in the life, or I'd say a, a couple weeks in the life of one of the guys that works for Governor Breck. And I'm pretty sure it's that guy, you know, the guy, the blonde guy with the glasses that like tries to give him the report and then McDonald's like, hey, dude, like you didn't summarize the report like, you know, properly or whatever. And and they, they have that little exchange. So that dude in the black with the turtleneck, but he's a blonde and he's got glasses like you, you follow his day to day existence and it's it's a very creepy story because you know what's coming, like you know this revolt and revolution is coming. And I, I think the Malibu comics tend to, uh, even though that uncut version wasn't released to the general public, I feel like they were like you, where they were like, oh yeah, man, that that uh, original ending that was rumored, like that's where it's at, man. Like that's how it should have ended, you know. And and the reason why I say that is twofold is one, in that one shot, it's like you you see all the subtle acts of of you know uh, resistance and revolt and all that other kind of stuff, but then you also see like these really eerie things because like that guy is basically like to his wife and kid, like he's trying to like you know, I don't know, be a better father type thing because he's always working for the governor and all that shit. And he's like, well, why don't we go away to Disneyland or something? I forget what he says, but, you know, something about why don't we go do some some family things and this and that. And the wife's like, I need more help. Like, you need another ape in the office and all this other stuff. And in the back of his head, if he had stuck to his guts, you know, uh, he, he wouldn't have hired the other ape or whatever because he's like, I don't want any more apes in my house than I need and all this other shit. And and so but he ends up hiring her this other ape for help. And you see, like when when Caesar's setting up all this revolt and stuff, you can see she's she's getting the knives ready and stuff like that and 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 smiling like murderously and all this other stuff. And when when the revolt finally starts going down, like in the last 30 minutes of the movie, it's it's parallel to that issue of the comic. And so he's frantically like trying to get a hold of his wife and his kid. And when, when, when the phone gets picked up, all he hears is like this giggling ape, you know what I mean? And it's like, she's, she's clearly, you know, killed his wife and kid. And when he finally gets to their apartment, like he gets stabbed in the chest. So like, and that's basically like how that, how that story ends this kind of one shot or whatever. That's kind of like a side quill. And then later, it's kind of it's kind of crazy balls banana pants like the uh, the crazy town banana pants like the uh, face unto my god guys but there's the the last four issues of the Malibu Planet of the Apes series it's twenty one to twenty four and there's this crazy subplot where these dudes the 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 I don't know the the radiated human dudes in the Forbidden Zone like. They somehow resurrect the spirit of Governor Brecht. Like and and he's like it's it's like he's I I, I wanna say it's like he's a cross between a a cosmic deity and like Freddy Krueger or something. You know, like 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 it's like it's like he's got like super cosmic level powers, but it's almost supernatural. Like that, like he's the specter or something, but he's Governor Brecht. 
And like and like they 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 do this weird ritual and and somehow they summon him. And like he immediately just just like me, because 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 I'm a uh, dirty so and so. Right. Just like me. He sees these weird guys in the forbidden zone and, and they're effed up looking faces and bodies and goes, you guys aren't human. And he fries all of them that just like summoned him. Right. And he's like, I'm going to do my best to save the, the humans on this planet. And there, there were like human beings in these these Malibu stories that for some reason I'm trying to remember now, but some of them did actually like speak, you know, English and were more tailor like than than the kind of wild humans of of the the uh, the films and stuff like that. So so there were potentially people for him to to save like at one point i think there's this this girl that's on the run and she's getting like banged around by the apes and she gets killed and he's like i was too late to save you but i can still fry all these gorillas you know and he does this kind of like specter wrath of vengeance shit or whatever and you think to yourself well how are they going to get out of this and it's like the apes somehow summon the grandson of caesar who's like the lawgiver and it's like it's like primus and unicron like fighting you know like the so it's like these two spirits that are like you know like clashing or whatever it's like really kooky crazy town banana pants but but again i guess i i just want to establish like the the people that wrote that obviously this film impacted them enough like that they were like dude we like we have to bring back governor brecht even if it's like as some kind of weird like you know cosmic spirit craziness thing or whatever right like so they had that and then of course there's the i i, I kind of like the series i don't know how you feel about it but i there's the, the mr comics revolution of the planet of the apes miniseries and that came out like not too long after i discovered these movies i think it came out in like 2003 or something and i thought it was the coolest thing ever because you know to, to me i think it was the first time i saw some kind of direct sequel to conquest of the planet of the apes and some of it's kind of goofy where like the gorillas getting like fighter jets kind of like yeah uh, kind of like battlefield earth and shit like that but like i mean they, they definitely revisit governor brecht and and uh mcdonald and, the, and, and the alpha omega bomb yeah yeah they they, they kind of tie it like i think they call it like project church door, church door. or something yeah. right and then and then that ties it into you know the the face unto my god people and all that you know so so there's 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 all that kind of connective tissue you know that that i i found that that uh, miniseries super fun at the time the, the other thing i thought was funny about it though is like we're talking about how this film takes place in 1991 and i'm talking about how there can't be like internet or social media or whatever but when when that was coming out in 2003 for some reason you had all these guys like watching caesar's speech on the internet like so they were trying to like do that sliding marvel timeline scale thing where they were trying to give it some modern technology even though that didn't exist at the time of this film and even in the future of this film that it supposedly takes place in right like so The fourth Apes film began shooting on January the 31st, 1972, under the direction of J. Lee Thompson. The title was Conquest, 
of the Planet of the Apes. Fire! In the scenes where the ape revolution reaches its zenith, director Thompson found himself pushing for a level of on-screen violence that had never been seen in an apes film before. In the first preview at Phoenix, mothers took their children running down the aisles to get out of the theater because of the uh, bloodiness of the riots. Shoot them! Shoot them! The censor wouldn't pass the, the film the first time. Too much blood and too much gore. Fox wanted to try and retain the family audience, and uh, they made us cut a, a great deal. It was a violent film, and politically very disturbing. Screenwriter Dane and director Thompson modeled the apes' revolt after the 1965 Watts riots, an event that had left an indelible impression on the American landscape. In 1972, there is no way any major studio was going to release a film where the hero was the leader of the Watts riots. But you could release a film where the leader of an ape slave revolution is your hero. And you can capture the audience's attention and all of a sudden try to get people to maybe rethink the way they were looking at the current events of the time. And that's one of the beauties of really well done science fiction. Yeah, I, I, I totally appreciate the, the, the whole cyclical nature of this and like I, I guess that's why I always thought like battle was kind of a little disappointing because I I saw in that documentary how you know Paul Dean's original concept was like Caesar was gonna become just as kind of corrupt and 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 twisted as the the people he was fighting against you know and I I just thought that was a uh, it, it made more sense to me you know given given where where Planet of the Apes, the, the first film ends up, right? Like, like you, you would think that that would have to happen, right? Even though, for for some reason, they wanted to do that ambiguous ending where the stupid lawgiver statue bleeds a tear, and you're supposed to think like, oh yeah, they're gonna live together in harmony, or maybe not, or maybe yes, or there's a chance, or some some nonsense, or whatever. But like, I think in in the original sequel to Conquest, that it, it was gonna be more definitive of like, nope. Like, like they're, you know, it's like people, people who revolt, you know, they, they, uh, they get on top and they, 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 they totally smash the other group under the heel of their boot. And that's, that's basically like, you know, it, it, that, that history of, I don't know, of violence or, or what have you, you know, it's just gonna, it, it, it's just gonna repeat. And the only difference is who's, who's on top for, for whatever period of time, you know? So like, I, and, and again, that kind of ties into that whole, you know, bleak, you know, dystopian kind of nihilistic twenties attitude I had where I was just kind of like, yeah, like this is that, that's, that, that's kind of how I expected things to go. But I, I don't know what, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you, if you uh, know what I'm referencing, like, or, or if, if you have any thoughts on that, or if you, if you do like battle or what, what the deal is. 
yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think Battle is uh, disappointing, especially as a final film in that series. And that original idea has always sounded intriguing to me. I That's one of those things I wish they could make into a comic miniseries. You know, they're mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. unused scripts into comic Yeah, yeah like the whole Harlan Ellison City on the Edge of Forever yep. or something like that. Like if they did a they did like a what idw or a bongo or whoever the hell owns the rights to planet of the apes and somebody did like this is this is the paul dean like first draft for you know battle of the planet of the apes where caesar smacks around pregnant women and tells them to go (laughs) f off or you know whatever the hell the story was but it it was something like that you know yeah but i'd like to see that turn into like a comic miniseries and then that original idea for beneath the planet of the apes where it was like planet of the the men were like you've got like ape human hybrids like that sounds so wacky oh. doodle i've always wanted to see that, that, see that, that whole thing somewhere. like that that yeah that they they wanted to have a uh, a child that was like yeah. a half ape half man or something like that yeah yeah i mean that's that's totally bizarre and i i get why they didn't go into that direction but that that idea is so like out there it's kind of like your whole like unicron and you know, yeah, 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 like, yeah. That sounds so bizarre and awful, but I kind of want to. Yeah, you're see like, it. you're like this. It's like the prune juice. Like, yes, more, please. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is disgusting. More. I yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, it's it's just this is one of those films that was always the film itself, and then the the surrounding like I don't know creation of it, and 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 everything. Like there were just so many things about it. The actors, like it all it all sort of fascinated me, you know, like that, that whole, the whole thing, you know, like I, I was thinking about like, like the, the guys that were in the, you know, it's like, I, I was looking up like the, the guy who played governor Breck was in bus stop with Marilyn Monroe. And like the, the, the guy, um, I think his name's Harry. I can't think of his last name, but the, the guy who plays uh, McDonald, like, like he, he had an interesting life too. Cause I was just looking and stuff. And it's interesting given the character he plays because he's, you know, I guess he's supposed to be this, you know, sort of peacemaker, I guess, or or at least, you know, like kind of, a, you know, a, a middle ground between, you know, humans and apes and all this kind of stuff. Right. And and like I was reading like he fought in the Korean War and there was some story about how he he uh, I think used up all his ammunition and he said something about he had to throw away his rifle. And then I guess, you know, uh, I guess a Chinese guy was coming up on him, like ready to to do him in or something like that. And and then uh, he he's like, the guy was almost smiling when I threw away my rifle. And then and then he came in to like, you know, stab me with the bayonet. But I, I cut him with a knife or whatever. And it was just like, I don't know. It was, it was funny listening to that. And then and then seeing McDonald be like, you know, what will violence solve? You know, and I was just kind of like, wait, that that doesn't you know, it's like it's like, damn, motherfucker was acting, you know, like. So I was like, that was pretty good, you know, like so. So um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked all the uh, the performances and stuff like that. And, and, and I find all that stuff kind of kind of interesting. My dear boy, it's called acting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Evolution. Your servant. Or revolution. Man's darkest day. The conquest of the planet of the apes. Tomorrow at three. Monkey. No, that's how it is until 
a slave from another world. Your sir. Turns back the clock on ours. Find that talking ape. The original ape saga continues as Roddy McDowell seeks to end man's domination. Cannot be free until we have power. And begin the age of the apes. It is time for the conquest of the planet of the apes. Next here on 7. I, I don't know about you, but I think I've said my piece on the film. Like I said, it's it's my favorite. The original is the best, but I, I always look forward to watching this. And I think I've rewatched this one the most out of all the original films. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I you know, I, I, I know I don't often rewatch certain numbers of the films. like, uh-huh. But I I. I do remember rewatching Conquest quite a bit, and then and then when this uncut version came out, you know that that added to the. I mean, if you want to combine the two versions, you know, I added to my my rewatches and all that kind of stuff. And it's like one of those, like like I said, it's it's I I, I don't know what it is. It's just you know my final piece on it is just that it's to to me it's always been a very captivating film. It's always fascinated me, and it's always always held my interest. And that doesn't. You know, it, it it's one of those films that it, I, I don't think that changes. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know how sometimes, like, films are just kind of the one-hit wonders and you only laugh at the jokes the one time and you only, you only I don't know, get scared the one time or you only do whatever. And then once that's, you know, once they, they pulled that trick off the one time, that's done. But I don't I don't think that's true of, of this film. You know, like, I, I like listening to the to the speeches. I like seeing the you know, I guess what, what you'd call the action sequences, I guess, if that's, if that's the right descriptor for them. But you know, the, the, basically the, the, the entire uh, epic riot at the end of it and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, and, and then just seeing, you know, like you said, all the, the great performances from Ricardo Montalban and, and Roddy McDowell. And then, you know, the, even, you know, like I said, the, the guy, Harry, I can't think of his last name, you know, like all those guys, right? Like that's, you know, it's all it's all good stuff. And, and and then I think just the fact that we you know, it's one of those things that's fun, like that didn't necessarily disappoint. Like, you know, how like you hear like, you, you know, how you said there's the 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 aspect of like you hear rumors about something and it turns out to be false. Like there mm-hmm. there is no there is no alternate ending where Godzilla roars away at the end of King Kong versus Godzilla. Like right. it's always been King Kong. He's always been swimming off on his own. Like that was all just some bullshit by those orange fucking Halloween books that poisoned all of our minds. <laughs> and then that perpetuated itself all onto the fucking internet. Like I get that. Right. But then it's like, uh, you know, some, sometimes there's things where you're like, dude, there's, I, I can't think of it now, but it's like, dude, there's this radical, well, here, you know, there, there's a director's cut. Uh, it's the rogue cut of days of future past or whatever, you know, something, something <laughs> like that, where you're just like, okay, yeah. So you watch it and you're like, yeah, whatever. Like that wasn't, you know, like who fucking cares. Right. But this, I think, was like, oh, dude, bro, you got to, you know, uncut Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, you know? And, and it's like seeing, like, all those, like, you know, catch-up-y guys getting their heads clobbered in at the end and, like, and 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 the the way the, the original speech is kind of maintained and, like, you know, the guys that just get, like, clipped and you see, like, blood spurt out of their heads and, you know, all over their noses and shit like that. Like, that was one of those things where I was like, you know, this this worked like like it wasn't it wasn't a disappointment to see this uncut sequence basically yeah i mean it, it's not like when you finally see a picture of the rock man from star trek 5 and you're just like 
well, I see why this was not used. <laughs> right. Yes. There you go. That's that's perfect. The Rock Man from Star Trek V. I mean, in talking about long-lasting influence, I mean, this is the film. I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. is a remake of this. You know, like that's that, or at least that's how I always sort of perceived it you know and 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 i i think that that's something maybe maybe this is my olive branch if if you think this is a slow and boring 70s movie and you're not into it because of that or whatever like i mean if if you love those new matt reeves planet of the apes movies i mean this i think this film is is the the kernel that led to all of those so i mean you probably do yourself a favor if you either watched it from that perspective or, or checked it out watch it and go ape oh ape 20th century fox is asking you to go ape you lousy stinking humans lousy human bastards america in the year 1991 apes are sold at auction to become household pets and to work as slaves They wait for a leader, an ape with the intelligence to lead them into overthrowing man. There is fire, there is smoke, and in that smoke from this day forward, my people will plot and plan for the inevitable day of man's downfall. And that day is upon you now! Watch the screen explode as man faces ape in the ultimate revolution, a revolt of the apes. This will be the end of human civilization! Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, rated PG. Yeah, there is smoke, there is fire. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. So I guess if you guys have any other comments, questions, and or concerns... You can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of Fanholes Podcast, you can check them out over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We can be found on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And you can check us out on social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we appreciate all the likes, hearts, and retweets that we receive. And until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, a lousy, stinking human, signing off. This is Justin. And tonight, you have witnessed the birth of the planet of the apes. I forgot this movie takes place in 1991.
the 90s. It's yeah. so weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I totally got your back. Like this is definitely my favorite. I, I, I do occasionally see like people that are like, oh, I don't know that I like this one. And I, I mean, I guess I get it because I, I yeah. saw some of the some of the critics were. I, I, there, there was one thing in the Wikipedia I thought was interesting because it was like, uh, here, let me see if I could see, look it up real quick again what, how they put it. But it was like, um, some guy gave it like a two point five out of five or something like that. Let mm-hmm. me see where was it. Uh, this comic book adventure is a far cry from the pr- pr- provocative Pierre Boulle vision so impressively realized by Franklin Schaffner four films ago. In spite, oh, and in spite of some crude allegorical pretensions, it can't really be considered seriously as more than another excuse by uh, APJAC to get maximum wear out of an expensive set of costumes. Mm. So that guy just ripped it at a new asshole, you yeah. know? So. I mean, I could see not liking it just because Escape was so completely different in tone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Escape was like uh, Star Trek Four. I mean, yeah. until the end, you know? Yeah, like, until the like, end. Until the end. It'd be like Star Trek Four, and then, like, somebody fucking kills both whales with a harpoon, and they're like, oh, <laughs> gotta go home. Sorry, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I guess Gracie's dead. I guess the planet Earth is fucked. Come on, Spock. Let's go back and zoom away from the shit log. You know, like that's basically like how how that would have played out, right? Yeah. Uh.